Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Fuji Love Podcast. This is the show brought to you by Fuji Love Magazine for the latest and greatest in all things Fujifilm X Series or GFX. Head on over to FujiLove.com. It has been quite a 2020 year so far, and we are just halfway through the year, not even halfway through the year. We are still in the middle of our global pandemic, which, by the way, we here at FujiLove wish everybody uh, safety. We hope that you're doing uh, healthy and are keeping safe in, in, in this time of pandemic crisis. But in addition to that, we have had uh, uh, social unrest as well in the unfortunate, tragic death of George Floyd here in, in uh, the United States. And I reached out to, uh, while I was watching the coverage uh, on the news, it led me to think about how our uh, how photojournalism and uh, television journalism has been covering these events. And I reached out to Pete Souza uh, on just a whim to see if he'd like to come onto the show to talk about the 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 value of uh, photojournalism today, as well as uh, video journalism. And we got into discussing uh, citizen journalism throughout our interview. And fortunately, I mean, spoiler, <laughs> he agreed to be on our show. And it was such a tremendous honor to speak with him. He, he is a personal hero of mine. He, I, I admire his work, especially his photography coverage of the Obama administration. Uh, his photography skills in bringing out the best qualities of a person is just something that I truly admire. And as a wedding photographer, I love tender moments. I love when people show their uh, their, their their true selves in a in a photograph. And this is something that he does so exceptionally well. And I was, uh, you'll hear it in my voice, I was extremely starstruck, but I am thrilled that we have Pete Souza uh, on the show this uh, this week, and so without further ado, let's just get into that interview. I want to welcome Pete Souza onto the show. Pete, how are you? Uh, you know, I'm doing okay. <laughs> Very good. Very good. best one can do. Uh, given the the uh, the current uh, you know situation with the coronavirus, I mean this twenty twenty. Uh, wow, <laughs> that's that's the best I could put it. Uh, we we started with a coronavirus. We are going into very uh, a lot of civil unrest. And hopefully, uh, I, I really hope uh, through this civil unrest that positive change can happen with the Black Lives Matter. And we're only just hitting the summertime. Uh, we, we, we still have a whole other half of the year to go. And we have a presidential election this year. So uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> it's um, quite the times we're living in. Yeah. I mean, this is the, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, in some ways, sorry that I'm not, you know, really a hundred percent working photojournalist. Uh, and this is just an amazing uh, year thus far to, to um, uh, cover uh, everything that's going on. And so it's been interesting uh, for me to observe uh, what people are doing, meeting, you know, photojournalists and journalists. Um, and, and I, you know, and I pay close attention to what's being done. So, um, but, you know, part of me wishes I was sort of in the, in, in the thick of it, but, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm sort of past doing, uh, daily news photography. But you have been, uh, documenting things in your own neck of the woods. You yeah, are... a little bit. I mean, I've got, um, some, um, some responsibilities, um, family and, and otherwise that take precedent, but I do try to get out and, and walk around. I'm not necessarily covering, um, you know, the news here in Madison, but, you know, I've been out to a couple of the protests and um, I try to walk around when I have time with a camera and, uh, you know, photograph whatever I run into. What has been the climate in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, from your point of view, from uh, your vantage point on uh, the protests, that what has been your experience? I mean, I'm basing this on very little firsthand experience, some firsthand experience, right? And also paying attention to the um, the, the coverage that I see on the local news and and in the, the local newspapers. And I think basically it's it's similar to what's playing out in other cities, just on a much smaller scale. Yeah. So not, you know, not nearly as many people as in New York or D.C. or L.A., but still a fairly significant number of people have been out there protesting uh, pretty much every day. And, um, you know, it, we had some, um, I don't know if you want to call it violence, but just some um, uh, uh, you know and I don't even know if I would kind of would call it looting but we, we you know there was store windows broken and there was the, the police did engage with tear gas a couple times I guess and um, you know it was was um, little tense there for, for a couple of days. I mean, very, but very similar to what's happening around the country, just as I say, not on nearly the same uh, scale. From your professional uh, vantage point, your, your professional experience, what do you think the overall coverage has been uh, covering the, the protesting? There are a lot of folks that are saying that the media has been doing a great job, others doing a terrible job. Do you feel that uh, as a whole, I mean, granted networks will have their own particular, uh, I don't want to use the spin, but everyone is covering it uh, from their particular points of view. But overall, do you think that 
the coverage has been fair as far as the the broadcasting as well as the newspaper uh, coverage. I mean, I think it's 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 hard for me to judge in terms of uh, of that because I you know I'm 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 not where the where the action is happening. Yeah, so I'm basing uh, my my response on looking at the New York Times and the Washington Post every day and looking a little bit at CNN and MSNBC. And I think for the most part, yeah, I think they, they, they've done a good job. Um, the, there's a tendency of course, to highlight, you know, the looting and the violence and um, which is totally legitimate, but at the same time, by and large, you know, uh, the, the predominantly, this has been a number of peaceful rallies. Um, I, and, you know, again, this is like just me sitting back, um, drinking a glass of wine and commenting. But, um, you know, I have to say that I, 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 I wish that there, there, well, for, I'll give you a specific example, and this is a true sure. example. Um, you know, my wife and I were watching MSNBC. I don't remember if it was last weekend or whenever it was. And the, the, there was a reporter standing outside some sporting goods store in LA, basically waiting for the looters to come. And there was like nobody around in terms of police presence or anything like that. Um, and just down the street, there was like a thousand peaceful protesters. Yeah. And of course the looters showed up and with live on air, there was like, you know, a five or 10 minute segment on what was taking place with the looting. And then the cops showed up and, um, you know, and meanwhile, down the street, you had a thousand peaceful protesters and it seems like. Um, you know, in a, in a situation like that, um, you should have been providing both sides and not just the looting. That's just Agreed. my personal opinion. And, 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 I, and I have to say in terms of like the still photojournalists, I mean, the, the New York Times has done a great job in, in the sense of having photojournalists around the country, not just in New York or D.C., or LA, but in many other uh, cities around the country. And oftentimes, uh, at least online, because that's what I see is their online uh, yeah. paper, is that, you know, the next day they'll have a series of pictures, not just from New York or DC or LA, but from around the country. And I think they've done a really good job of, of, of showing, uh, you, you know, what's, what's happening elsewhere too. And they've used um, um, unconventional, uh, you know, means of reporting. There's, uh, you've seen a lot of uh, drone footage and uh, aerials, and um, so I think, I think, you know, I think the still photojournalists have done a, f- a phenomenal job. My personal opinion, and, and this is this goes back to my own very. Um, biases when I was a local reporter. I've always felt, and I don't know if this uh, this is kind of like the, the um, 
the clash between the, those who are on the video medium and, and the print medium. But uh, we, uh, I, I've always found that the, the, the newspaper reporting overall has been more uh, thorough and honest. It's not just a 30-second news bite. Uh, and in some cases, with especially with cable news, things tend to be more sensationalized. Uh, yeah. But again, that's just from my point of view. I was only a local reporter uh, back in the nineties, uh, and but to to my local newspaper's credit, it taught me photojournalism, uh, and my my career in photography went from there. Um, but I mean from your point of view the print medium has been really nailing it as far as coverage goes i think so i mean i think again i think you know there's there's a you know an, an there was an emphasis on um the 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 violence which i which i actually think is 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 not um you know unfounded that they that that because there was a couple of days there where it was very, there was a lot of uh, clashes taking place, and it's you know, yeah. So you should cover that. Um, I I will say, I mean, just on again, this is sort of me just sitting back watching everything. I do think it was is somewhat of a mistake for um, some of the mayors to issue curfews because to me that sort of elevated the confrontation between the police and the protesters. Yeah. Whereas, okay, if you, if you're breaking the curfew, then you're breaking the law and the police are told they have to, you know, uphold the law. And it inevitably leads to these clashes because they're trying to get people to, you know, uh, leave because of the curfew. And, you know, I, you know, I question, uh, I question curfews in, in, in some, of, some of the cities. One other point I wanted to make was that um, one of the heroes in this, uh, in the last 10 days to me, what, why did this all happen? It happened because Floyd George was, was killed by a policeman. And why do we know that without question is because a 17-year-old kid, 17-year-old girl, had the wherewithal to video this on her s- smartphone yes. for eight minutes and keep her shit together and come up with a video that is irrefutable about what took place. And that young woman... Uh, deserves a lot of praise for, I mean, I'm, I just think about the situations I've been in my career where, you know, you're in a situation where the police don't want you filming something and there's a lot of anxiety and tension and it, you know, there's nerves and this woman, this young woman, just a bystander. I mean, Oh my God, to do what she did, uh, she basically changed in in many ways well is is partially responsible for changing um, everything. The, everything the we would not have had because it, otherwise it would have just been another 
African-American guy getting killed by a white policeman and you would hear about it and it would, you know, it would make, it would get some attention on the news. But because this video was so crystal clear and um, it, it was as if it was a uh, 20-year photojournalism veteran that was making that video. That's how irrefutable it was. And she deserves a, our, you know, our thanks and our praise. Yes. Going into that, the, the, the value of citizen journalism has become, I mean, it's, it's taken off. In, in this particular case, it is uh, changed the course of the nation, changed the course of the whole world to, to, and again, I, I pray that that real, honest to goodness change and, and step in a positive direction uh, goes forward, uh, all because of the the instincts of citizen journalism. This this young lady doing tremendous work. Uh, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And, and and you're right. I I, I never with, with everything happening, it, it didn't even dawn on me that the, this this young lady was uh, doing such tremendous work. So where where do you see the? I mean, <laughs> kind of a weird question because we're seeing what's happening. The importance of citizen journalism moving forward. Well, I think it's been. I think it'll continue to be important. I think that the. Um, the, the, the circumstances of this video um, <laughs> it was such that, you know, usually you see like, you know, 20 seconds or 30 seconds uh, and you don't see the whole story um, and you sort of have to make a judgment based on, you know, a short little clip on what, you know, what didn't we see. The fact that, that, that you know, she videoed for so long and that no one can question what happened because yeah. we see it on the, you see it on the, on the video. I mean, and I was saying to somebody the other day, it's sort of like, you know, the, 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 one of the greatest, uh, I guess, crime footages that exists in our history was somewhat accidental, right? Abraham Zapruda, who was across the street, what, 100 yards away and filming in Dealey Plaza the, the, when Kennedy went by in his motorcade and he has this really sort of blur, you know, somewhat blurry video and you can't, yeah. you know, it's very so accidental. This woman was like 10 feet away and kept it together for like whatever it was, seven or eight minutes. I, I mean, I just it 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 takes citizen journalism to a to a to a uh, just a, a a different scale. I mean, it's just incredible what she did. I so I think going forward, I think that um, I, I guess you know, pe- the I, I've heard people talk about. Well, we all thought that. Um, you know, the body cameras that the cops carry would end the violence. And guess what? It hasn't. 
And, you know, the the guy and the, the cops in Buffalo that pushed the 75-year-old guy to the sidewalk who I guess now has uh, brain damage, um, you know, they knew they were being videotaped and they, they did what they did anyway. And then basically walked by the guy. And that was while video cameras were were recording it and they still did it. So um, I think it's, I think it's helped bring attention to some of the ills in our society. Um, You know, I, I, I sort of do worry um, about um, the authorities like the police being more cognizant of people with video cameras and somehow um, I, I don't want to say attacking, but somehow trying to get, trying to stop them from, um, you know, videotaping um, yeah. th- things that are happening. But in a lot of cases you can broadcast live now uh, and kind of counter counteract that by, you know, when, when you're broadcasting to the cloud, um, yeah, bring it. I mean, I mean, the, the, yeah, uh, I but mean, it didn't stop. Non-view. You know, it didn't stop the police and uh, whoever else was trying to clear Lafayette Square Park in in DC the other night. They, 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 there were live cameras going when they were throwing tear gas and whatever else they were doing to try to, you know clear a peaceful crowd. Um, So, you know, it's (laughs) the the press has a tough job um, and they had a very tough job this past weekend for sure. There is one, one of the things I was thinking about prior to this interview is with media, there is, there is so much, first of all, so much distrust in, our government. Uh, we, we have just a wide variety of people just don't like a certain party. Uh, they don't like the government as a whole. Uh, there is just an amazing large number of people that just distrust, just dis, excuse me, distrust our government. But in addition to that, there's also people that distrust our media and distrust uh, reporters. Well, it's interesting. It's the, it's the, it's, it's like the other side. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, um, you know, I'd say the vast majority of people, when I say vast majority, I mean, you know, if it's above 50% these days, that's vast majority. Yeah. But, but I think it's upwards of 60%. Um, just don't trust anything that's coming out of the federal government in terms of, whether they're telling the truth or not right. because they've lied so many times that, um, you know, it's, it's hard, it's hard to, it's hard to know what's, what's truthful or what's not truthful, you know, just the, what, you know, it's hard to, the CDC seems to have become politicized in some ways, which is dangerous. Um, but then you've got, you know, you've got, um, you know, I don't want to get into politics, but you do have the the current president of the United States just always calling stories that he doesn't like fake news. 
Yes. You know, and that's dangerous. And it, it, he, he, uh, he rattles his base. Uh, and it's, it's that base that doesn't trust the media, really. I mean, I think right. most people um, trust the media more than they do the what's coming out of the White House. Um, you know, I would the, agree with the other thing, the, the other, you know, I, I don't know how old you are. Um, I am old enough to have um, grown up as a kid with Walter Cronkite, who was a CBS anchor. And this is back in the day when there was just three networks, right? Mm-hmm. CBS, NBC, ABC. And Walter Cronkite was the authority. I mean, when he talked for the nightly news, you knew everything he said was the truth. And if Walter Cronkite said, which, which you know, if he got emotional reporting the Kennedy assassination or was excited about the moon landing or did reporting in Vietnam and realized the government has been, you know, lying to us, he said it. And when he said something, there was no questioning it. We don't have anybody like that. You know, the, the media has become so fractured that people tend to flock to hear the news they want to hear. So, yeah, yeah. you know, the people that support the president, they go to Fox News to hear what they want to hear. And it's, you know, it supports that line of, of thinking. Um, and so that's, I mean, that, 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 that's partly why I think the country is so divided is the media is so fractured. Do you think that there will be any kind of, um, I don't know if consolidation is the right word, but do you think with everything happening that there will be kind of that coalescing to bring forth uh, a, a centralized voice uh, kind of like what we had back in the day, by the way, Peter Jennings, no. my, uh, no. my jam. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think, I think those days are gone forever. Um, but I do think that the, 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 the press has done a better job in, in, in at the white house and questioning, um, the, the pre- you know, he tends to just dismiss, a question that he doesn't like. And, you know, early on, he'd call on somebody else and they would ask, you know, he would call on somebody who knew, who he knew what they were going to ask so that he wouldn't have to delve into this controversial, not a controversial question, but a fact-based question. Yeah. And now you see when there's a press conference at the White House, you see if he doesn't answer somebody's question, you see the next reporter basically asking the same question, making him answer. And, you know, then, of course, that leads to him stop doing press conferences. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that does, this doesn't have anything to do with photography. But Right. Um, citizen journalism is uh, thankfully here to stay. Do you see it becoming uh, more of like – you see it evolving any uh, kind of like uh, being on a freelance payroll kind of thing. Do you see citizen journalism becoming uh, maybe a a, a next step in uh, 
as somewhat of a career. I don't know if it'll become a career. I think, you know, if, if, um, if, you know, maybe some people will become, you know, freelance journalists. I mean, there's always, you know, I, I lived in Boston for a while, uh, back in the day and there were always, uh, like guys that had, um, both still cameras or TV cameras. Yeah. And all they would do is listen to the police scanner and try to get to, um, scenes before any media. And so, so these are, these are, um, uh, you know, sort of freelance. They're, they're not with a news organization. They're just on their own and they'd be listening to, to the police scanner and they would get in their car and try to drive faster than anybody else to get to the scene and then try to sell it to, you know, the local TV station or the Boston Globe or something like that. Um, and so this is just an extension of that because now everybody has a camera, right? Almost because you get it. You got a smartphone. You got a camera. Yes, I think the 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 uh, of course one of the I don't know, I wouldn't call it a danger, but um, you you sort of just never know. Do they have do, do people have an agenda, right? If you're not a journalist and you're um, but you're you're filming stuff, do you have an agenda? And how how can you how can we uh, guarantee that um, what is being posted online is, in fact, what happened. Um, and it's something that we we are seeing that uh, there there is uh, a call to action against uh, photographers uh, doctoring photos uh, in photo journal like photojournalistic settings and, and others. It's been. Uh, I don't know how widespread or, or known it is to the general population, but at least among uh, the photography communities, there, there's been a lot of uh, blowback. Uh, Steve McCurry uh, being one of them that, that, that has been accused of uh, altering photos. Well, I, I don't want to get into the Steve McCurry situation because it's, 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 there's so many layers to it. But, but I would but I would say that I'd say that that it's not as rampant as as um, as as people might think. I mean, there's a yeah. few incidents, but not not many. Do you have any final thoughts on how, how media has been uh, handled and, and received by the general population? Well, I think that that. Um, the criticism is for the most part unwarranted and the journalist that every journalist that I know tries to get it right. Um, now this is Fox news aside, cause I don't consider them, you know, journalists, they're opinion people. Yeah. Um, yeah. but, but the, the journalists that I know, uh, that the, they're, they're overriding, uh, mission is to get it right. Do they make mistakes? Of course, everybody makes mistakes, but they're not um, premeditated, or they're not uh, they're, they're not done, you know, on, on on purpose. They're trying to get things right. Um, 
So I sort of feel good about the, the journalism that's been done in the last, you know, five or 10 years. Really, I think it's been extraordinary. Excellent. You have had a tremendous career in journalism. Uh, you were a reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times. You had the uh, privilege of photographing Ronald Reagan uh, during his presidency. Uh, after 9-11, you were in Afghanistan doing photojournalism there. You have a tremendous portfolio on just photographing the the time Obama was in office, uh, which you have highlighted so well on your Instagram account, which is, uh, you can find it just by doing a simple search for Pete Souza. And you have several books out, one uh, that I have yet to read. Uh, this is my next in uh, my uh, my collection that I'm going to read, uh, Shade, A Tale of Two Presidents, where you juxtaposition the Obama administration, the photos with President Trump's tweets, basically. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that book? Yeah, I mean, I think you described it accurately. It's just, it's just, <laughs> it's, just uh, um, it's, 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 <laughs> It's a way to juxtapose the, 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 the craziness of his tweets with what it was like during, you know, a normal presidency. And it's also a, a way to remind people that this is not normal uh, and this is not the way a, a president should behave. You know, there was a time when the president was ethical and moral and did things according to the law and um, was it was a was a empathetic and compassionate person. And we we've completely lost that. And so this was just sort of my way of um, showing that contrast, you know, the, the stark tweet with a visual from the Obama administration. Your photos that you've highlighted of the Obama administration, I, I have to say, has been truly inspiring. You have done an amazing job of capturing, and this is going to sound weird, but capturing the president's humanity. Um, you are, you, you did an amazing job of showing his that that he he's a person he he is a man where we sometimes tend to in some cases deify uh, a a person of power or you know we can shout at a person of power you know you, what we like what we don't like you did an amazing job of just showing his I mean, I, I don't want to say humanity because it sounds so weird. Um, but you you are showing that this this man was like everybody else. And from the tender moments that you captured between uh, President Obama and Michelle Obama uh, to the way he was playing with his kids to just really 
tense moments uh, during his presidency where he's, you know, sitting back thinking or sitting back trying to, uh, I mean, from the photos that I've seen, solve problems. Um, That, that was, I mean, the, the work is amazing. And how did you go about doing this? Like, uh, like what was it like to try to, capture intimate moments uh as a photojournalism even with if the in some cases it looked like it was just you and the president in a room alone yeah uh, well i mean i think part of it was well there are many reasons one um i i had known him for four years before he became president so i already mm-hmm. had established uh it was a professional relationship with him um, but he, he sort of, un, you know, understood what, what I was trying to do, which was just make authentic photographs. And so when, when he hired me, that was part of the deal was I need to have access to everything. Now that's easier said than done. I mean, he's, he, he agreed, but at the same time, imagine he's a human being like the rest of us. Imagine having some guy uh, taking pictures of you all day long, every day, which is basically what I did. And so there's, there was a, you know, a, I don't know, three to six month period there where there was sort of like, uh, you know, a little dance going on where, you, you know, I'm, he's trying to get used to me. I'm trying to get used to him and, and sort of know when, okay, I should give him some space or, you know, just trying to, feel feel all that out but he also understood the importance of having somebody visually record his presidency um and you know and just quite frankly he was he he's he's a good photographic subject um and he enter the way he interacts with other people is is just so genuine um and i always tell people that well the other thing too is is I think it was helpful that I was a seasoned guy, right? I had been in this business a long time. I had worked in the White House once before. Um, And so I was like determined that I was going to create the best photographic archive of a president that had ever been done and that nobody was going to stop me. Um, And so having the the like the confidence to take that approach and to stand up to anybody who tried to, you know, limit my access was something that I was totally comfortable doing. Um, not that, that that was really that much of a problem, but um, that was sort of my uh, approach. And I tell people that, look, I'm not the best photographer in the world, but I really believe I was, um, the, the best f- photographer to be his his photographer, his White House photographer, just because of I all those things I mentioned. I also think you're one of the best photographers in the world, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> uh, it, I, I got to ask you uh, about probably one of the most recognizable photos that you have produced, and that is the situation room where uh, you are photographing the takedown of Osama bin Laden. That, I mean, just 
that's amazing clearance that you were given, I would imagine. I mean, I, I know nothing about government except for what I see in action movies. But uh, that, that kind of trust that you were given to be there as everything was happening live. And I mean, just I want to know what was going through your your mind with with such a, an important moment and uh what was your how, how did you approach that so that you could best get the best photos at, at that moment well i mean i don't think that i took any different approach than i than i did any other day except obviously i knew the stakes were really high that this was a historic day whether it turned out good or bad. It was going to be a historic day, and so that sort of just raises your, you know, uh, your your senses, if if you will, a little bit in terms of you know really being trying to be on the, the entire day, and um, uh, and it, you know the 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 picture that you refer to was taken during a 40 minute span while the raid was taking place. I mean, I, it was like a 12 hour day. There were like meetings before and after the raid. And, you know, just, there was a lot to document that day. The, but during those 40 minutes that they were in that uh, little room um, uh, monitoring the raid as it happened was, was probably the, the tensest 40 minutes of his presidency. And part of the reason I think was that um, you've got, you know, the most powerful people in the executive branch of our government all jammed into this room together. And they were essentially helpless. Like they couldn't affect the outcome of what was taking place. I mean, their, their decision had been made in the days and weeks before and now it's entirely up to those guys on the ground to successfully complete the mission. And to be there as an observer for them had to be really tense because, you know, it could have gone really bad. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, there are people in that room that were around when Carter launched a rescue mission in Iran to get our hostages out. And that ended in an utter failure with helicopters crashing and people dying and them not getting the hostages. And, it, you know, it's partly responsible for Carter being a one-term president. And, you know, I'm sure those thoughts were going through a lot of people's minds. Like this was a really risky operation and it could have really gone south. Um, if, if, you know, if not for those guys on the ground and the, the, the planning of that mission was turned out to be so good. So, I mean, in those 40 minutes, it was really, really, really <laughs> tense. And I, and I say that from, um, you know, my point of view, cause I could feel that, could feel that tension but, you know, I've seen subsequent interviews by people that were in the room and they use that same word tense. Yeah. You know, to describe what it was like. And in your whole book, I think, I mean, you, you capture a lot of um, tense moments, some tenser than others. 
but by far the my favorite photos are just the little moments uh that that you capture and i i don't know if this is me just being biased because uh, uh i mean i'm 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 a wedding photographer and i love little tender moments that that's something that i'm drawn to you were amazing at capturing just tender little moments, especially between uh, Michelle and Barack. Uh, my favorite, and, and I don't remember uh, where in the timeline this happens, but uh, the president's arms are crossed. Both Michelle and Barack are sitting there, but you caught that underneath his folded arm. He is holding on to Michelle's hands. And that little capture, just so profound. I, I think it, it is one of the one of my favorite photos uh, in, in your whole collection. Just because you're able to capture those little tender moments. And um, again, I, I don't know the story behind the photo uh, in the in this particular one, but it, it was. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that the the. Uh... Um, you know, meetings tend to be boring, right? Um, I mean, some are, are more historic yes. than others, and 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 they they warrant inclusion in uh, in a book. But in but but especially in trying to, um, you know, show what he was like as as a person, it's 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 these fleeting moments that um, best do that. And so those are, those are the, the, the things that I was always on the lookout for, were these, you know, you know, not the meeting itself, but stuff that happens just uh, sometimes before or after or uh, away from the action or, you know, the, the, the way he interacts with people, um, and and you know I've there, I have this one picture where he's he's walking to an event in the old executive office building, which is on the White House complex. And there's the White House custodian, you know, who's been asked by the Secret Service, "Why don't you move over to the side?" And President Obama's walking by, and he just fist bumps him, you know. And it's sort of like that tells you a lot about him that 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 he would take the time, that little gesture. It just shows you what you know what what kind of a person he, he is, and that is something that I think, fortunately, the world is starting to take notice. Um, that uh, I mean, with, with your Instagram account alone, you have uh, over two million followers that are loving these the these uh, human moments and. Again, it's weird to say that uh, you know something so obvious, but we I think we tend to forget that people in power uh, that we are just regular people doing. I, I say we, uh, I, I'm in no power whatsoever, but uh, you know, people in power are just normal people trying to do a job uh, uh, to the best of their ability, uh, to the best of their knowledge. Now, I know there are. To put it mildly, differences uh, between Obama and, and Trump. Do you, is 
Does Trump have his own photographer following him around? Yeah, I mean, they have a whole team, uh, you know, m- much much in the same way that, that, yeah. that we did. Um, I mean, I think the difference is like, uh, uh, well, I would just, it, you could tell the difference just by going to the White House Flickr photo stream and, com- and you can compare it to the kind of pictures that we posted on our Flickr photo stream. And, and, you know, other than that, I, I don't know. That's, that's fine. I, I just that. wanted to know if there was uh, an equivalent yeah. Pete Souza working for uh, the Trump administration. And I, you know, it didn't even dawn on me yeah. to, to look at the, the, the white house Flickr page because everything I've ab- absorbed from uh, your photography has been through either uh, your, your, your books or your uh, Instagram account. Um, but that's a great resource for those who are curious to 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 see what's going on. And, and again, uh, I, you know, I, I'm I would be just as curious to to hear the Trump's photographer talk about things uh, because, after all, love him or hate him, he is a man doing his job. It's a she. Oh, it's a she. Okay. My apologies. <laughs> I, I, I would be, you, you know, after everything is said and done, I, 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 that is another story I would like to hear. And again, politics aside, I, I, I do enjoy the, the, the story behind the photos. Peter, there, there is so much that I would love to spend time on, especially your, uh, coverage in Afghanistan. We we could talk about the the, the early Reagan admini- uh, the your Reagan administration photos, but we are unfortunately out of time. Um, perhaps another time we can touch base and, and, and talk about your early work. But it's been an honor chatting with you, and uh, I thank you for coming onto the show. Before you leave, though, I got to ask uh, what are the Fuji cameras that you're using uh, for your professional work? Yeah. So I, um, I, I have two Fuji X pro twos with three lenses and um, I, I, I don't use them every day. It's, it's sort of, it, I use them for specific things. Like for instance, I'm doing a, like a, you know, intimate, uh, story or situation um i i i tend to i tend to uh uh bring those along um what i i did some photographs of brandy carlisle uh both at home and and uh in the studio and in the studio of course having a mirrorless camera was um just great because you could sh- you could shoot pictures while they were actually doing the recording Um, and, and, you know, just put it on the silent mode. And it's also just, it's, it's a good walk around camera. Um, When I was on my book tour um, and, you know, I'd usually have some free time to walk around whatever city I was in. um, I would always bring my, the, the Fuji with me. Usually the, the, uh, 35 millimeter equivalent was, is that the 23, I guess. 23 millimeter. 23. The, did you have the F2 yeah, or the F? It's, it's probably my go-to. I probably use that 
more than any other one. What's the other one I have? The 50, is it a 56? The 56 millimeter. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. I love that. Uh, Great portrait too. Lens, yeah. Or portraits and uh, it's really sharp. Um, and, and really my introduction to Fuji was, I still have it actually, the, the original, uh, is it X100? Yes. <laughs> uh, it, I can't remember if it was the S or not. And I, I actually have one of, one of my favorite pictures that I have is of uh, Bruce Springsteen at a concert um, where he was surfing the crowd. And I, it's, and I, I was there as a fan. I didn't have a credential or anything, but I, I was able to sneak, <laughs> sneak that camera in. And I've got like a great picture of, of, of Bruce with that camera. It's, it's actually hanging in my house. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, for certain, for certain things, it's, it's a great, uh, I, I, I love uh, using the X-Pro2. I haven't tried the X-Pro3. I hear it's pretty good. It, it is. I guess I yeah, it, it's a little bit more expensive, but the build is, uh, I mean, it's built like a tank. And uh, if, if you don't miss the LCD screen on the back, uh, then yeah, it, it's it's one that I'm, I have yet to try. I, I'm uh, I, myself, I have the X-Pro2 as well. I've been using that for uh, a while now. And an X-T3 is my other one. And, and then finally, uh, just recently, I purchased the latest X100 because I missed that little compact camera uh, that, uh, like, like you said, uh, you could see anywhere. Yeah, I was actually thinking of. I was actually thinking of getting one of those because I was reading about it um, a couple weeks ago. It sounds like they there's been some some improve. You know, I have one of the old ones. I, I don't know if it, if I have the the first version or the second version, but I've, you know, I've got one of the early yeah. ones and I'm sure mm -hmm. there's been a lot of improvements. So maybe I should get, maybe I'll get the, the latest version of that and try that out. You got to try it out and then come back on the show and tell us what you think. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Well, Steve, thank you again for uh, coming onto the show and, um, uh, you, you know, you are more than welcome to come back on for any future book projects or anything whatsoever. Uh, I, I would love to just listen to some of your uh, stories uh, in, in the media. And uh, I, I owe the media my personal thanks because uh, it's what made me fall in love with photography uh, back when I was yeah. – uh, just in college as a local reporter uh, and being handed a, a point and shoot camera saying, Hey, you got to do the photography too, because uh, we, we don't have money for a full-time photographer. Um, we had one, I think, but uh, it was, uh, yeah, it, it was quite the learning experience, but I mean, one that I'm very grateful for. Well, thanks for having me on and uh, I'll, maybe I'll take you up on your offer. Right on. Thank you. And once again, thank you so much to Pete Souza for taking the time to have a great discussion on today's current events, his uh, career as a photojournalist uh, covering the Obama administration and sharing his, his, his love of the Fuji cameras. 
if he buys an X100, uh, X100V, I'm taking credit for that. <laughs> that wouldn't, it would be a great discussion to have him back on uh, his use of the camera. But anyway, that's all for this week. We hope that you enjoyed the show. This podcast is completely made possible by Fuji Love Magazine. For the latest and greatest in all things Fujifilm X series and GFX, head on over to fujilove.com and you'll find great articles by great photographers sharing their experiences, sharing their photography, sharing techniques, and so much more. Head on over to fujilove.com. That's all for this week. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.